Everybody shout, it's my season. For those who don't know, we are about to enter into the atonement time or the atonement season. On September 29th of this month, the priest will blow the shofar in Israel. They'll televise if you're so inclined to watch those things. And uh, that will signify the beginning of Rosh Hashanah. And Rosh Hashanah moves right into Yom Kippur, which ends up on October 9th. These are called the Days of Awe, or we would call them uh, the Day or the Time of Atonement. There are at least 10 days total in the Days of Awe, from beginning of Rosh Hashanah to the end of Yom Kippur. They're back-to-back, which we call Atonement, and they're considered God's holy days. These days have been set by God uh, as an appointment, which are called the feasts. When you read about the feasts, in, the, in particular in the Old Testament, uh, we are inclined to think that they are talking about food, you know, going out to eat. We're going to feast, right? But it's not that at all. It actually means an appointment. Everybody say an appointment. So God says there are three times a year that I set appointments with my people, and we're moving into one of those times now called atonement. And it's a, a, that he says is my calendar. I put on my schedule, and I expect people to stop what they're doing. I know life is busy, you know, and things are going on. But he said, These are, you're my people. I expect you to put that aside and keep my feast or keep my appointments. Let me ask you, how many of you could use a brand new season in your life? Lots of hands going up, praise God. So Rosh Hashanah actually means head of the year, or it can mean the new beginning, or it can mean a new season. Matter of fact, you'll find the Jews during this time of year, uh, in particular in Israel or within their communities, will say to one another, they'll say Happy New Year during this time um, because it, it is signifying a new start. God has two new seasons in every 12-month calendar. We're entering that one now. We're entering a brand new season where God says we get to start over. There's something new that's about to take place in your life. Or an old cycle is completing and a new one is beginning. And so I'm going to start talking uh, through the word this morning because my assignment this morning is to walk you through, if I can, uh, the word of God because it will, it will expose to you and expound to you what it is you need to know about this particular time as it relates to getting a new season. Leviticus 23 verse 1 uh, says this, and it says, uh, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, The feasts of the Lord. Remember, they're not talking about food now. Talking about an appointment. The appointment of the Lord, which you shall proclaim to be a holy convocation. These are my appointments. Also, the tenth day of the seventh month shall be the day of atonement, and it shall be a holy convocation for you. You shall afflict your souls and offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. Afflicting your soul, we'll talk about fasting, going before God with fasting during this time, but also uh, giving an offering. Now, offerings are no longer blood sacrifices. So we don't have to offer bulls and goats and pigeons and whatever God required in the Old Testament because Jesus became the ultimate sacrifice. He was the Lamb of God taking away the sin of the world. He was the last, final blood sacrifice. Of course, all of the sacrifices before Jesus were nothing but, we'd say, types and shadows of, of, of the Messiah to come. And so it cost them something for sin to be removed. It cost Jesus everything for our sin to be removed. Amen, somebody. 
but it's still, uh, the offering, though it's not a blood sacrifice, it's a sacrifice at, 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 no matter what because it's a sacrifice that costs you something. It's not something that's done cheaply. And so today in modern, uh, the modern world or the modern church, offerings and sacrifices are what we give financially to the house of God in the fulfilling of the vision of God that God gives for a church within the particular city and community. It's no longer blood and flesh. By the way, it's equal sacrifice. So God doesn't say... Um, uh, he doesn't say, I need everybody to give $1,000. That's not what he says. He says, he speaks to your heart, what you're to give, and all you have to do is be obedient to what that is as it relates to this season, and uh, that's what it requires. So if it's 25 bucks, that's what God says. Whatever God tells you to do, he tells you to do. For them, it might, might be $25,000, whatever God says, right? But you have to be obedient to God. It's a sacrifice. It's an equal sacrifice across the board. So what are the days of awe? The days of awe are repentance. It's about getting before God and saying, Lord, there's some things that have not been right. There's been issues between you and I. Uh, there are things that I need, to, I, need to, I need to look at in my life that I know are out of order. And I repent. I, I want to get these things. I want to be closer to you. I want to repent. Thank God for the gift of repentance. He doesn't throw people away. He just wants you. I always say this, I say this, I say this often. It's like, it's like repentance is God's kryptonite. It's the only thing he can't resist. I mean, he resists anything else. But when we repent, it's just something about his nature to forgive us. So the days of all are about repentance and God's forgiveness. Also, it's about judgment, judging our enemies, judging the enemy, Satan, who's come against us to oppose us to move into the new season or the new day of our life. And by the way, I want to reiterate one more time, I prophesied at the beginning of this year that if we were going to, no, it's not really, it was in the middle of summer. I prophesied that we would in fact be entering a new season with a new assignment. This could be that moment. I'm just, I'm, I'm, for me, that's where I'm putting my faith at. So God judges our enemies and says you're no longer going to hold them back. It's also a time of atonement. We atone for our sin. But also it's a time for an offering. Now, on October 6th, we'll be doing this together as a church. And I want to talk about that in just a moment uh, as we get a little bit progressing into the message. But here's the cool thing. There are seven blessings God refers to or offers to us, his people, during this season. If by faith we receive them and obey them. And the seven blessings can be found in Joel chapter 2. We don't just make these things up. They're in the word of God. And let me break them down. Joel chapter 2 and verse number 23. It says, be glad uh, then you children of Zion and rejoice in the Lord your God. For he has given you the former rain faithfully. And he will cause the rain to come down for you. The former rain and the latter rain in the first month. We have the former rain. And the latter rain happening in the first month. When is the first month? On God's seasonal calendar. It's happening September 29th. It begins and it goes all the way through October, uh, October 9th. Uh, 29th and the 9th. That's right. So you will find that God says this is my new season. He promised that there would be what? Number one, a double portion. You're going to have the former rain and the latter rain are going to all come together in one month. Let us get excited. Let us begin to anticipate that God's not going to just give us a blessing, but there's a double portion of what God wants to give us now during that, this time. Somebody say amen. And what's interesting is that God tells us how to receive the double portion in verses 15 through 17, where it says this. 
Blow the trumpet in Zion. Consecrate a fast. Call a sacred assembly. Gather the people. Sanctify the congregation. Assemble the elders. elders gather the children and nursing babes. Uh, and let the bridegroom go out from his chamber and the bride from her dressing room. Let the priest who minister to the Lord weep between the porch and the altar. And let them say, spare your people, O Lord, and do not give your heritage to reproach that the nation should rule over them. Why should they say among the people, where is their God? The first thing God's saying during this time is you've got to come together. We as a church have got I don't think it's any accident. I don't know how they did it on the calendar, how they worked this all out with the national going back to church, but it's happening right during the season. But it's no accident. God says, he calls for the priest, the pastor. Gather the people together. Get them to come together in unity. Get them to begin to pray and, and to seek the face of God. And, and if there's something they need to repent of, get them to begin to repent. And if they're busy, he said, let the bridegroom come out, let the bride go out. In other words, I know you got a wedding plan, but put that to the side. Right now what you got to do is focus on me because there's something special I want to do. I want to give you a double portion. Now, you don't get that without focus, and you don't get that without faith. Where is your faith today? Our faith has got to be on him. The whole idea of God saying my appointment, I need you to keep my appointments, is because he wants our faith to rise. Get things back in priority. Get back God back to the top of our relationship. Somebody say amen. So we're calling together the congregation. The elders are coming together. The people are coming together. We are not going to become a reproach to the nations. So they can say, where is your God? All right, look at verse number 12. Now, therefore, says the Lord, turn to me. Look what God's saying. Turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. So that's worship. So rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God. Come on. For he is gracious and merciful. Don't rend something outward. Don't make it look like you repented. He says, God says, I want your heart. Return to me. I'm gracious. I'm merciful, I'm slow to anger, and I'm of great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. God says, I won't cause any harm to come to you. Let's look at the result, verse number 18. I know I'm going through scripture, but hang with me. Then the Lord will be zealous for his land and pity his people. The Lord will answer and say to his people, behold, I will send you grain. Everybody say grain. grain. And new wine. Say new wine. And say oil. I'll send you grain, new wine, and oil. I'm going to take care of all your needs. And you will be satisfied by them. I will no longer make you reproach among the nations, but I will remove far from you the northern army and drive away uh, into the barren and desolate land with his face toward the eastern sea and his back toward the western sea, and his stench will come up. His foul order will rise because he has done monstrous things. Fear not, O land. Be glad and rejoice, for the Lord has done marvelous things. Do not be afraid, you beasts of the field, for the open pastures are springing up, and the tree bears its fruit. The fig tree and the vine yield their strength. There is a surplus, a, a, a supply that's coming to you. He said, be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for has given you the former rain faithfully, and he will call. Say, he will cause. The rain to come down for you, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. This is absolutely awesome. Why? Because warfare stops. God responds. He says, I'm going to cause your enemies to be driven away from you. God responds. What happened? And then the harvest comes in a double portion. Who's ready for that to happen in their life? 
This is the time to begin to anticipate that, to expect that to begin to happen. And church, to receive God's double portion and the other six blessings, we must live our lives in repentance. He said to return. Like you return your clothes to the store. Why? Because they don't fit. And if your lifestyle don't fit his word, you've got to return. If your actions don't fit his will, you've got to return. If your goals don't fit his agenda, you've got to return back to God. It's a time. Come on, y'all. Sometimes we begin to take our own steps in our own direction. God said, you're going the wrong way. I want my will, not your will to be done. Come on. Now turn. Everybody say it's time to turn. Or to return. Or to repent. To turn back to the top. The second thing that God promises as a blessing that happens during this season is financial abundance. And we need that. God wants to take care of our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He wants to take care of our needs. He wants to bless our life. Back to Joel chapter 2. It's right there, verse 24. He said, because of the season, the threshing floor shall be full of wheat and the vat shall overflow with new wine and oil. So as a result of repentance, we open ourselves to overflow and abundance. As a result of our obedience and faith, We open ourselves to overflow and abundance. Over and over through scripture, God shows us how to turn on cycles of financial prosperity and increase in our lives. Look at Malachi chapter 3, verse number 7, please. For I am the Lord, and I do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Yet from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances. Uh Uh-oh. And have not kept them. Return to me. He doesn't say, I'm done with you. He doesn't shake his finger and wag it. Nope, you're bad. Go away from me. He doesn't do that. I know you've been wrong. Just return to me. Get back to where you need to be. And I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, in what way shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you've robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. He said the result of that, you're cursed with a curse for you've robbed me and even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Let me back it up for just a moment. He's given us clues. What we got to do is wake up to it. Have you, under why, have you ever wondered why I take one step forward, I get knocked two steps backwards, and I'm now in worse shape than I was? Every time I advance, it seems like I keep, I keep getting further further behind. Why? Could it be because the curse is working against us? You have to understand something. You can have it your way or you can have it Yahweh. It can either be your way or God's way. God's way says, I want to bless you. God's way says, I want to help you. God's way says, I want to deliver you. God is not trying to keep you from fun. He's trying to keep you from harm. And the system is I trust God first and foremost. And when I put God first in my life, whether it be my time, my talent, or my treasure, when I do that, he says, I'll open windows of heaven. I'll remove the curse. The curse is working against us every day of our lives. He said, it's because you robbed me. Now what I need you to do, return to me. Come back to me. Do it my way so I can open the windows of heaven. And that's what he says. He said, he said, try me now. In other words, put me to the task. If I open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing. Everybody say blessing. blessing. That's the empowerment to prosper, that there will not be room enough to receive it. And then he says, I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. Everything that's been working against you, God says it's going to start working for you. I'll take care of your enemies. I just need you to put me first. Can you put me before Target? Can you put me before the, note, the house note, the car note? Can you put me before going out to eat? Can somebody say amen? 
I'm going to do it. Remember, the atonement offering is to be done from the heart. But the Bible is very clear that we must not miss the time of giving. In other words, it's from my heart, but I've got to show some action. I've got to be in faith. I've got to be obedient because my, my destiny is on the line. I want God to bless what he's about to do. Deuteronomy chapter 16 says this in verse 16. Three times a year, all your males shall appear before the Lord your God in the place which he chooses. And this is what he said. At the feast or the appointment of unleavened bread, the appointment of weeks, and at the appointment of tabernacles. You all know what that is, right? You have Passover, Pentecost, atonement. Okay, those are the three times. This is the third one in the year, which is a new season, which is atonement, Feast of Tabernacles. And they shall not, watch this, and they shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. Every man shall give as he is able, according to the blessing of the Lord your God, which he has given you. Nobody can tell you what to do. Nobody tells you about, but God, God, God alone is the only one that can do that. But nobody comes before him with nothing. Why did it get so quiet? Y'all know. You amen me when I talk about faith. You amen me when I talk about healing. You amen me when I talk about you going to the next level. Now we're talking about your pocketbook. Now we find out, is he Lord of all or just Lord of most? Because you got to get that pocketbook saved too. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I'm just teasing y'all. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There is, there is an absolute connection between your heart and your finances. And this is the response of a grateful, willing heart. He said, be willing and obedient. So your attitude has to be right. Attitude has to be correct. Your attitude will change your altitude. I should say it this way. Your attitude will determine how high you can go. I have found that people who give the least are people who complain the most. I'm going to preach it even though you don't like it. That's my job. I, they say, I wish they could change things around here, and the same people don't give a dime. I wish we could do more for the unwed mothers. I do too, but they won't give one cent in church. Church wishing won't get it done. It's going to take finances to accomplish things, great things for God. And a bad attitude toward giving only shows the heart the true heart of the individual who is complaining. Change is what we need. First, a change of heart toward God. And when your heart is for God, he has everything about your life. Number three, the third thing is restoration. God promises to give us restoration. He will restore. Let me make this statement. Whatever's been revealed to you will be restored to you. Whatever God has revealed to you, if you can say, oh, I should have had that. That should have been mine by now. That's a revelation to you. God wants to restore it back into your life. Joel chapter 2 verse 25. So I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust. Hallelujah. The consuming locusts, the chewing locusts, all them locusts. My great army which I sent among you. He, he said, I'm going to, everything has been eaten out of your life. God said, I saw it. I watched the promotion go to so and so and not to you. I watched them talk you out of the blessing. I watched you trip and fall. I saw how the enemy came and, and take, took away your resources. I saw it. It was unjust. And I'm going to make it right. I want to restore it back into your life. You say, well, God can do that at any time. That's, that's, that's true. He could do it at any time, but he chooses to do it at special times. That's not my time. It's his time. Amen. I know every time I pray for someone for healing, they don't always get it on the spot. Some do, some don't. There's a season. You walk out of a cycle, and all of a sudden, bam, there it comes. Your healing is a part of your life now. 
God not only restores back to you, but gives us restitution for our damages as well. I'm excited about that part of it because this is the season where God judges my enemies. Woo! Everybody say, devil, put it back. We got to get back into that vein again in our lives. When we start saying, no, 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 you took it from me, you stole it from me, I found out who you are, what's been revealed to me will be restored to me, and I saw your devil with your, caught you with your hand in the cookie jar, and now that I have, you got to pay me back sevenfold. Is anybody ready for that kind of restitution? Right. And that's a, the perfect example of that is the prodigal son because he takes all of it and he just consumes it upon himself. He does it all wrong. He does it all wrong, loses everything, but goes back to the father. He returns. He returns back to the father and the father doesn't judge him. The father doesn't hurt him. The father doesn't scold him. The father embraces him, hugs him, kisses him on his neck and he says everything will be yours. You're my son. I thought you were dead and now you're alive. You, everything I have, enter back into the rightful position that you've always had. So he got restored everything he lost but what else happened? The father takes off his robe and puts it upon his son's shoulders, takes off his ring, puts it upon his son's finger, takes off his shoes, puts it upon his son's feet. What's he saying? Not only are you going to be restored, but I'm going to bring you restitution. I'm going to give you double for your trouble. I'm There's something about this God that loves when we are humble and we repent and make things right. Number four, there's miracles that are about to happen like never before. Joel chapter 2 verse 26, you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be put to shame. Miracles are about to take place. Miracles are about to happen. God's about to do some things. He's going to fill up your flower bowl. He's going to cause your water to be turned into wine. I don't know what God's got in store for you, but he's got something of a miracle. There's something that God wants to do to bring blessing to you that you already have, and you didn't see it as that way before, but God's about to turn that around. You return to him, he returns to you. Miracles like Daniel in the lion's den. Like this all happened at the time of atonement. Daniel in the lion's den. The children of Israel in Egypt. That happened during the time of atonement. The three Hebrew boys in the fiery furnace happened during the time of atonement. Last week, I, I kind of mentioned a couple of those and talked about detainment. That people have been like in a holding pattern and been detained and they felt like God had put them in punishment. But, but detainment is not punishment. Let me tell you what else. Is, and that God gave this right after I preached the second service. They hit me when I was in my office. And he's, this is what I heard the Lord say. Detainment is not containment. God is not looking to contain you. He's wanting to set you free. But what he will do is he'll put you in a place where you got to say, I can only have God. Only God can get me out. Only God. And if only God gets you out, only God can get the glory. Come on, church. How many of you need a miracle to show up in your life today? Number five, God removes shame. He removes shame. I'm not going to talk about this real long because it's self-explanatory. But Joel chapter 227, then you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. I am the Lord your God and there is no other. My people shall never be put 
to shame. He's going to remove the shame from us. He's going to cause that we won't have shame. You know, the devil will always try to shame your name right before God brings it fame. There's something about you that must have been, that there's greatness inside of you. Because I was thinking about this yesterday, but let me finish my statement. Something about greatness about you because the enemies attacked you so hard. Not just because you're a part of faith builders or not just because you're a part of the body of Christ and that you're now a believer, but there's something uniquely significant about you. The devil's so afraid if you ever get wind of it, understand it, have a revelation of it and press toward it, that he knows a portion of his kingdom will have to be given up. He'll fight you. He'll do everything. That's why things get turned up. Have you ever noticed there's certain times of year things get turned up? This time of year will get turned up, and around the time of Passover, things get turned up to another level. And I thought, you know, Lord, every one of us have greatness in us, and we know it. There's something that's like, almost like a craving, a desire, not just for the pat on the back, but we want to say, we, there's something unique about me. I don't like what so, you remind me of so-and-so. I don't want to be reminded about somebody else. I want to have my own identity. How about you? Every single person in this place, and the reason why we steal, steal other people's identity because we like theirs better than we like ours. But we want one. Everybody wants one. And I thought that's so true. And, we, and, and just biologically, if you think about it, how God set up the, the, the thing, he said that, that billions, excuse me, of those children here, but billions of sperm going toward, rushing toward that egg. Only one could win. And the one that won was you, which makes you special, which makes you unique. You couldn't have gotten into the, this earth without being special and unique. There's that desire on the inside of us. God put that in us to be special and unique. The problem is we try to do it on our own. We try to understand things on our own. We need a revelation of who God has called us to be. That way the devil can never shame us with our past because we can remind him of our future. Come on, somebody say amen. Number six, God touches the whole family. I love this part. He touches my whole family. Joel chapter 2 verse 28. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also upon my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. We've got to reclaim our children back. We've got to reclaim our marriages back. We've got, and I'm talking about good marriages. We've got to reclaim our grandchildren back. We've got to reclaim our churches back, our city, our community, our neighborhoods back. Can somebody say amen? Our, our families need to be made whole again. There is a brokenness in our, our culture, in the American culture. We wonder why our kids are going crazy and they just, I mean, they got, they're full of the devil. They're out there running the streets and acting a fool and all kinds of crazy stuff. It's not their fault entirely. It's because somewhere we didn't hold up the standard and say we're going to fight for marriages, we're going to fight for families, to stay together. Come on, somebody. We recognize things sometimes fall apart, but that should not be the norm. I'm preaching so much better than y'all shouting at me. I don't know if you're tired or what. Y'all okay out there today? Don't worry, we ain't taking an offering today. Hallelujah. Y'all get nervous when I talk money. It's all good. Just stay with me. We're going to fight for families. I said we got to fight for these kids out here don't even have fathers in their lives. And some don't have a mother in their life either. And they're out there trying to grow each other up. And then we, expect, we wonder why in the world 
All this nonsense goes on and violence goes on. There's no, there's no, there's no human dignity anymore. There's no more, none of that stuff. It's just, it's violent and it's a drug culture and it's a sex culture and it's a crazy culture. And it's because the family has not been united together. Dad, I don't know if you've been, you, I don't know where you're at. I don't know if you're at home with your children or not, but they still need your voice. And at least you should be praying for them on a daily basis. Number seven, deliverance. That's the seventh blessing God gives us is deliverance. Joel chapter 2 verse 32, and it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be deliverance. Everybody say amen. God is not only a restorer, but God is a deliverer. And some of you have been in a cycle of destruction for so long. Whether it be drugs or alcohol, whether it be pornography or some other vice, and it's, 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 it's been beating you up and hounding you and pulling you down and back, God is coming to set the captives free. This is what he does and does so, so well. My desire is that priest pastor of this church is to have people come together during this season, pray, repent, get things right with God, bring our offering to honor God, because that's what offering, offering is about honoring God. See, money is the system by which we survive. And what we're saying with our money is what we give them a portion of that. We're saying, Lord, we count on you first for survival more than our own means. We trust you with what we have so we can build the kingdom and do what you called us to do in this community. Because the whole thing about it, church, is we don't need it, really. We're not, we don't need it for heaven. Heaven doesn't need monetary gain. Doesn't need it. But on earth, for us to preach the gospel, to touch people's lives, to have healing, to have revival, we need that to take place in this, in this church. And so I want to say this. October 6th is going to be our big 20-year celebration. Man, you talk about a church having some roots down two decades. Can't believe it. And to think I'm only 35 years old, I don't even know how God did it. I was 15 years old when I started this church. Amazing work from God. But I will tell you this. I will tell you that it's amazing how fast time goes. How, old, how, how, many, how many people are 20 years old? Let me see your hand. 20 years old. Anybody 20? Under the age of 20? Let me see if you're under the age of 20. How many is 25 years old? Let me see your hand. 25 or younger? 25 or younger? A lot of hands up there. I mean, you were five years old when the thing started. So for you, it's like, yeah, forever ago. For me, it was a bleep on the screen, you know, just here and gone. But now, now God has established us here, not for no reason. Church, look, there's good churches in the city. Don't get me wrong. Oh, there is. There's fantastic churches in the city. And I know a lot of the pastors, great preachers, great pastors. But I just always feel, and they feel the same way, I'm sure, but that there's something special about this place there's something, there's an expression here that really is not just anywhere. There's something different about this church. And it's because of you. It's a fabric thing. It's what we make up as a fabric. And God, is a, he's blessed it. He has anointed it. And I, I feel like it's time, and this is what God put in my spirit, that it's time for us to get the word out about our ministry. That's why in October we're going live uh, with our um, our online campus, we're going to build an online campus. Uh, we're, we're hoping that the online campus it funnels people in this place because we're gonna, I'll teach them, on, I'll teach them even on the, on the camera that, hey, that's great, but that's not enough. You need to come and visit, become a part of the church. But it's a great start. It'll get us out there. And you all, uh, you all did that. And it's, it's, it's debt-free because of you. Debt-free. We paid for it. And it's a wonderful thing. I mean, we're talking about thousands and thousands of dollars here to do all this. Thousands. 
and yet totally paid for, debt-free, and that's a God thing. And so uh, that's, a, that's a great thing. But now I feel like this, I never have had God tell me this before. And this is what he put in my spirit. He said, son, as we said, it's time to advertise. It's time to let the people know you're here. 20 years we've been here. We've never done it. Never. Now we have done, um, we have advertised our productions. And we have given you flyers and passed them out once in a while, very, very infrequently. We would be on radio with an ad, um, that kind of thing. And, and so, but, but by and large, we don't advertise, you know. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, my son next week will, teach, will actually come up here and he'll tell you what we're doing behind the scenes for, for um, a lot of our social media and different things to get our name. If you looked for our name a few weeks ago for Faith Bills, it was like on the fourth fourth page of churches in Milwaukee because we just never paid attention to that stuff. We've always been word of mouth, word of mouth. The Lord spoke to me and says, it's time for us to begin to increase our visibility and to begin to go public in a way that people know who you are, have an understanding of what your vision is and where, where you're taking um, the church. Now, I want to say this uh, to you uh, that I, I received a phone call from uh, Prophet Miller who in the middle of my conversation with him, I was talking to him. He said, stop, 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 I have a word for you. I won't tell you the whole word, what he said, because I don't want, and I don't want things to be misunderstood about or being despairing toward anyone else. But this is what he said. He said, something's going to happen in the, in the city. He says, all I can tell you is this, make sure the people of God know where you're at and know where to go. Now, I've never received a word like that before in my life. He had never even knew what God put in my spirit to begin to advertise our church and begin to put it out there so people know about our ministry, know about uh, where we're at and all of that. And so to me, that was a massive confirmation of what God, that was just about three weeks ago, massive confirmation about what we're supposed to do. And that's the reason um, I knew I was going to be preaching this today. It gave me so much confidence. Uh, but look what it says in Matthew chapter 5. If they'll put it up to the screen, just give me a couple minutes. You are the light of the world, okay? That's what he says we are. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket. What a waste to have light that nobody sees. To put it under a basket. He said, but when it's lit, once it's lit, put it on a lampstand and give light that gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And God gave me that scripture and said, that's your scripture of confirmation. He said, because he said, you've got, it's lit. The house has been lit. The fire has been lit. He said, now don't put it in a basket. Put it on top of the hill. Advertise that, baby. Let people know who you are, where you're at, so they can see my good works that I may get the glory. Somebody say amen. Y'all, am I? Are you, oh. Okay. Luke 14, 23. Then the master said to the servant, go into the highways and hedges. And compel them to come in that my house may be filled. We've got to do what we've got to do to make sure God's house is filled. Not just with Christians, but with the non-saved alike. But I'm going to prophesy and let you know there are a lot of sheep in this city who are disgruntled, who have been hurt, that are tired of the same religious nonsense, and they're looking for something that's real. They're almost done with church totally. I mean, they don't even want to go back to church 
at all. And there we are shining our light in the community somewhere in a billboard, social media, uh, so, I don't know how, we're, the advertisement piece, and it's there, and then we're online, and they can see and partake. And they go, you know what, maybe we can try it again. And they'll come maybe with their arms folded just to check us out for a few weeks. Next thing you know, hey, they're moving. Come on. They're getting excited. Next thing you know, they're becoming ushers and greeters and children's workers and on the team and out in a, you know, on an evangelistic team and working with the youth. Come on. God said, I want my house full. And you know what, church, it's time for us to make that happen. So I decided that this year's atonement offering, we're going to receive an offering. I'm believing God for 25000 and we are going to go nuts with advertisement in a way we've never done. You're going to be so sick and tired. Every time you turn on social media, faith builders, there we go again. Faith builders, there we go. There's a billboard, faith builders. I mean, I'm just going to be obedient to what God's, and it may just be a season. I don't know how long this will go, but I'm going to do what God's asked us to do. So every bit that's coming in, come on, somebody, we're going to be able to have advertisement to tell our city and show the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Get it out of that bushel. Everybody turn to somebody and say, we are the light. And he is the light of the world. Somebody say amen.